Are you curious about bodies, pleasure, and possibilities? And what about curious about what others are up to on the planet when it comes to pleasure, sex, and play? Have you considered what pleasure can do for your life, your body, and your bank account? Do you know something magical, delightful, and out of this world orgasmic is not only possible for you, but totally available to you? If you're ready to be the magical, sexual, sexy beast you know you can be, and you just need the tools to get there, you're in the right place. Now, here's the host of The Pleasure Zone, sensual movement artist, relationship, and sex alchemist, Milica Yelenich. Welcome to The Pleasure Zone, my sweet, sweet pleasure seekers, even if it's your first time here. I'm still going to consider you one of my pleasure seekers, because if you're listening to this show, you are seeking pleasure. So if you happen to come across the show by total accident, and you're so not about pleasure, now is a good time to run away. Awesome. I'll give you a second to go do that. And for those of you who are looking to stick around, we are going to have some fun tonight talking about the pleasure points your grandmother didn't tell you about. So I had some fun today looking at uh, different things regarding the history of sex uh, within the last century, because that's when our, our grandmothers, us as listeners today, would have had grandmothers that were born and what they would have learned. And so we're going to be looking at some of that and perhaps why they never passed any information on to us and what we wish they had taught us. But we're also going to talk about some of those pleasure points that maybe our grandmothers didn't even know about, because a lot of things even though they might have been written about in medical uh, medical information, they weren't widespread. There wasn't, the talk about sex was not about or in any way in relation to pleasure. So we'll talk about that, how it's evolved over time, how we've got to where we are now. And maybe for those of us listening who could be grandmothers or grandfathers in the future, what would we like to share with our grandchildren, you know, Compared to probably where they'll be at, we'll be considered kind of um, in stick in the muds, in the closet kind of people comparatively. Um, as I watch there, as I watch just different generations now growing up, there's a lot more openness. You know, people in their teens, twenties, and thirties are far more open than my generation of the forties and fifties. Although people are starting to become far more open to having these conversations and communicating about all things sex and pleasure related. So our grandmothers maybe didn't talk about pleasure points. Our grandmothers might have talked about sex. They might have given you some warnings. You know, that's that's kind of where some of my grandmother's teachings would have come in. But in reality, they may not have had the information, right? So to be disappointed in our grandmothers would be silly because the chances of them having the information are pretty slim. Unless your grandmother was a total rebel and she was you know, reading some of the great information that was out there with uh, some studies that were going on in the 50s and 60s, the Kinsey report, and the the different uh, sex education and sex uh, related investigations that were going on at the time, though the average housewife probably didn't have access to those. Strangely, the average housewife was involved in a lot of those studies. However, they didn't necessarily always have access to the information post-study or post-publication. So 
why didn't our grandmothers know this? Well, there's a few reasons. Um, we can look at things from a historical perspective of information availability. How much information was available? How easy was it to access? And uh, how did that result in a lack of information or misinformation? And even though now we have like a lot of access to information, we have information at our fingertips, as we say, there's still a massive amount of lack of information and a lot of misinformation. We can just see that uh, in the polarity of information that's going out all the time regarding all kinds of things going on in the world, there's polarized information. So there's a lack of information and there's misinformation. Now, the information I'm sharing with you tonight is based on some research I did about the history of sex education to just look at, and we're gonna be looking at a few other things, but I thought when I looked at this, I'm like, so what, what, what were the pleasure points that my grandmother didn't tell me about? Well, all of them. And like, maybe my question on that is like, what was lacking in that conversation? Because my grandmother's, well, my one grandmother would have had many conversations with me about different things. Uh, that did not include sex though. So, if you are listening to the show and you are new to the show, you're probably wondering what gives me the authority to talk about this stuff here. So I am a holistic health practitioner and I work with people for their health, but I also really enjoy adding to the mix, looking at pleasure and working with people with sex and intimacy as I'm a sex and intimacy coach as well. Well, I find a lot of people who come to me have things that are both relevant for sex and intimacy in their relationships. There's usually something going on that also coincides with stuff going on in their physical body and their health. So as a holistic health practitioner, I look at the whole picture as in what's going on in their, their life, what's going on in their bodies, what's going on in their health, what's going on nutritionally, emotionally, all these different things. Yeah. So we digest food, but we also digest emotions or sometimes lack the ability to digest emotion as well. So all of these things are relevant to the work that I do. And so what I'm bringing to the table tonight for you is uh, an approach that's going to involve the historical look at what did people learn? Was it, you know, mostly anatomical? Was it spiritual? Was it, and we'll see how it evolved over time. So I love these looks at history and how they're relevant to the information that got passed on to us. As for me, I know that my, the main education that I got regarding sex came from my aunt who was a nurse and she had this great book. It was like a 3D pop-up book. And she taught me about menstruation through this book and it was about an hour conversation it was very clinical it was an explanation of estrogen and progesterone and how hormones uh, come into your body and what they affect and where they come out of in the endocrine system and all the different changes that occur and uh, the changes to look for uh, physiological changes for puberty to look for but i didn't have the conversation with anybody no adult ever gave me the conversation about pleasure. I didn't have somebody who I was sitting down having a conversation with to say, look, there's some things that, you know, are important to know about your body before you get involved with somebody else and have them touch your body. 
that's a conversation I'm always willing to have. Um, I do have a, a child of my own and I leave it open for them to have the conversation with me so that it's not, um, it's in their time, not my time. Uh, and I think what might have occurred too for parents and grandparents in the past was they just didn't have the information to share. And so who was willing to approach them because, you know, who even knew that they knew? Who even knew what questions to ask? When you look back even 20 or 30 years ago when we didn't have access to all this information so easily, who even knew what to ask? Who even knew what the heck a kink was unless you were into a, in a very small you know, fringe area of society, you know, those fringe groups, they're just so dangerous. If you're in a fringe group and you happen to be into something that was kinky, then you might have access to that or information or people that you would talk to about that because your curiosity would lead you to investigate that. But if you're on the outside of it, you wouldn't have really figured that out. Where now, even people who are not in those so-called you know, kind of fringe groups or um, different non, we'll call them uh, everything that is not cisgender heterosexual normative, uh, anything that's outside of that is accessible to everyone now where it wasn't before. It was not that easy to find. And you had to kind of know people and know your ins and know the key words and know what to look for. In Toronto, at the time when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, uh, so I, I was born in the 70s and growing up in the 80s, I remember driving down a street, there's a street in Toronto called Queen Street. And on Queen Street, there was a lot of bars that were considered like sex clubs. There was one called the Bovine Sex Club in the 80s and 90s. And I, I knew the name, I'd heard about it. And it was one of those things you hear in passing from people or you knew somebody who had gone. And so in my twenties, I, I started to become more and more aware of these things were all around, they were everywhere. I was a little intimidated by the concept of them. I think the openness of it was uh, probably a little like almost intimidating. It was, I would say it was intimidating for me. So I didn't engage in going to any of those at the time kind of looking back, I was like, darn, maybe I should have, what an experience it would have been. And also in, uh, I know in Montreal, I mean, in all major cities in, in um, Canada, we've had that, especially Toronto and Montreal have had a lot of different uh, venues for exploration of sex. Now, did our grandmothers know about these? They might've, they certainly weren't going to advertise them to us, were they? So, we're going to get back onto that topic of what did we learn? How did we learn it? Where did all this information come from? Right? So let's look back. When we look back on the last century, uh, we'll actually, we're going to look back to the last 120 years, say, because the first, about, about the first 40 years of sex education in North America, and I can only speak for North America because that's the information that I was targeting when I did my research. Uh, and so this is not necessarily true for for other continents at all. So this is just North America in general. Um, North America, not including Mexico, I think. So we're talking about Canada and the US. Um, and I would love to hear from you if you, you know, if this information is true for your country as well, or if it's not true for your country. Maybe Australia had similar information in England, but we don't know if that's true for 
all European countries, especially ones that were going through communism at the time, and communist countries really love to withhold information. So that was probably not available in a lot of communist countries either, any information about pleasure points. And especially the grandmothers growing up in those communist countries probably didn't have a lot of access to that as well. So my grandmother grew up in what was the former Yugoslavia, and she would not have had access to that information. Plus, she was what a religion called Nazarene. Um, and the Nazarenes, they they just, they didn't necessarily talk about that stuff. Now, if you're Nazarene and, you know, that's not true anymore, I think it was mostly the um, the group that my grandmother belonged to. They were very old school. They were, um, what is it in English? Babushka, that's what I'm going to call it. She wore a marama on her head, like a cloth on her head. And she was the atypical little granny from Europe. She had the gray hair, the... She had the kerchief on her head. She was little and stout and rolly and poly and always smelled like, you know, soup. She was always cooking soup and she always smelled like soup. And she was cheerful and lovely and looked like an apple face doll. If you could animate an apple head doll, that was my grandmother. She was that. And she was so typical. She was doing the cooking and the crocheting and like all the handicrafts. She was like an expert in making um, lace, actually. She was a tatter. So she had some pretty cool skills. And, and she had some pretty cool mad skills in bed. I'm sure of it because she had 10 pregnancies in her life and managed to get pregnant um, whenever, pretty much any time her husband was available. Sometimes he would get um, arrested and end up incarcerated for his beliefs. Um, he was a conscientious objector, so that wasn't so cool in World War II. Um, so yeah, she would end up getting pregnant. And uh, so 10, 10 babies later, six that survived, she definitely was a person who enjoyed sex. And I didn't know that. I always thought at first growing up, I thought my grandmother was so prim and proper that I thought she was somebody who was shy and maybe her husband just took advantage of her but um but the rumors have it and my dad has informed me of this which is kind of fun and I'm kind of excited for her that she was quite lively and quite sexual and I like to think that because I'm her namesake maybe I got that too from her so she was also Milica and I think it's super fun that I am the namesake of a quietly you know a woman who was quietly sexual her whole life and kind of quite enjoyed it Apparently, she even um, was asked to leave her parents' house. She was When she was married, she moved in with her parents. And apparently, she was kind of asked to leave because she was so sexually rambunctious that I guess it was annoying her mother. So, <laughs> so go figure. Yay, grandma. <laughs> so that's cool. So that's my European side of what my grandma didn't tell me that I wish she did tell me because I would have loved to have some crazy conversations with her about sex because for two reasons. Um, I think it would have been interesting to hear her speak about it in Serbian, for one, um, because most conversations with her were about flowers and life, just like, how are you doing in school? And how's your cat? And how's your mom? And those kinds of conversations, as my parents were divorced, so she often asked about my mother. Um, so we would have very, you know, cordial conversations, but nothing in depth, like, 
I'd like to teach you about pleasure before you go off and have sex. Now that would have been rad. That would have been so fun to hear her say and give an explanation. It might've involved some wild things because she was also a bit of a medicine woman. She might've been like, you get some lard, you slap it on his ass and you stick your finger in. Now for all my cousins, if my cousins are listening, I don't think she slapped lard on her grandfather's ass and shoved a finger in. But if she did, like, let's face it, she used lard for everything. It would have been hilarious. And actually, she has been like an inspiration for many thoughts for me to create like comedy videos on what my what I think or what I wish or hope that my grandmother did in bed, but I don't know if she actually did. But until some of her sons are, um, you know, when some of her sons pass on and they don't get insulted by it, I think my cousins could have a good laugh at it and same with the further generations. So yeah, that may wait a few years <laughs> because I don't know. I think she was a pretty wild woman. She probably also used beans in ways that we never imagined and, and onions too, because she used onions and garlic for everything. So things that your grandmother never told you about could have involved lard. For all I know, my grandmother could have slapped lard on everything and used it as a, a real pleasure device. So we're going to come back and talk more about a little bit of history, a little bit of mystery, all of the, the pleasure points our grandmothers didn't tell you about. When we come right back from this commercial break, you're listening to The Pleasure Zone, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own Pleasure Zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is the Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email. Info at MelitzaYelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet, sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight, we are talking about the pleasure points my grandmother never told me about. But man, I wish she had. So just before break, I kind of gave you a little lowdown on one of my grandmothers, my European grandma. She was pretty cool. And uh, my other grandma that probably 
could have given me more information. She was married to a doctor and she would have had access to all kinds of information like medical textbooks, which I did ask my grandfather for all the time, even like when I was six or seven years old and curious about weird stuff. My grandpa was always a great conversationalist. So I would have to say that my grandpa taught me probably more about sex related stuff than sex itself. But you know, pregnancy and um, the fact that I wondered if babies smelt when they came out. And I think by the age of 10 or 11, I asked him, do you poop yourself when you have a baby? And he said, yes, often that happens. So my grandpa did often share with me some pretty fun information from his um, from his experiences. And I always liked asking him crazy weird questions he was always willing to answer. Now, my grandmother was a little bit more quiet and quite more prudish, we could say, although she was very affectionate. So I would say that my grandmother probably, as much as she was a bit prudish, she was probably into, I would say, if I had to guess my grandmother's uh, sex life, I would say that she was very missionary um, and she liked cuddles because she liked cuddles with, um, she was just a great cuddler. She um, she always knew when I needed a hug. She was very good at that. And uh, she was very open, uh, affectionately open, even in public. So um, she would hold my grandpa's hand in public and she would, you know, give him hugs and kisses in public. And I always thought that was great. And I love, I, when I was growing up, seeing them hug and kiss even like in their own home in their kitchen or something it always made me so happy because my parents didn't I my parents I didn't see my parents together so when I was four and my parents separated um, I didn't see them together and when they were together they all I remember was fighting so it was for me like super joyful to see people kind to each other and kind to each other's bodies and and I loved seeing them um love each other so that was really cool I do think though that they were kind of um, vanilla-ish in their lifestyle I would say because my grandfather was on call a lot so I don't think he would have had a lot of time to be able to get down and dirty and get silly uh, on, unless they were like at medical conventions or something when they were traveling but other than that I would think that my grandmother probably would have thought it was dirty um, I would think that her mother though my great-grandmother was a kink master I would think um, because she just had had this energy about her that she knew shit like she just knew stuff and she was pregnant by the age of like she had her first kid when she was 18 and she was like I don't know I think she was very I think she was into things when nobody else was into things <laughs> like she was into all kinds of things that were out of uh, norm so if I look at my great-grandma my grandmother's mother I would say that she would have been a great educator on sex although um she did live to be 106, and at 106, she had a boyfriend. So I'm thinking that woman had it going on. And uh, I like to think of her that way. I like to think of her as like totally skilled, totally getting it on, trying new things, because she tried new things in everything that she did. She was kind of like on the cutting edge of everything. She did things that were like not mm, atypical for women. Like she rode bareback horses across the you know western Canada when it was like you know in 1910 you know she's like 1914 she was during World War One. she went out west and rode horses bareback so I'm thinking she's a wild woman and she was into stuff and she's having babies and she's having sex with her sister's boyfriend at the time I mean that's pretty outrageous so I like to think she was into all things wild so so 
when I think of uh, my grandmothers, though, and the lineages and like what they've shown me and taught me, I think it's fascinating to see like the energy that I see in them and what could be true or may not be true and what they taught me even just by being who they were. So even my grandmother, who I would consider was kind of prudish, did teach me um, pleasure wise that it was okay to be expressive publicly. And it was okay to hug people in public. It was okay to show affection to the person that you care about in public. Mind you, um, she was really okay with that if you were married, but really not okay with that if you weren't. So I came to learn that in my own way when I was uh, a teenager and I would bring bring um, boys to meet my grandparents and stay over at their cottage in uh, Niagara and we'd we'd stay over but my grandmother wasn't so keen on you know seeing me hugging dudes I had a lot of boyfriends so I'm thinking she probably was like oh my god my grandma my granddaughter is like a little slut and yeah I probably was like a little slut and I like enjoyed myself so I don't really have issue with that um, I think growing up though I, I did have issue with thinking that I was a slut so I wish that one of the, the pleasure things that would have been nice to learn from my grandmothers maybe was that um, that you know especially my great-grandmother who did get pregnant uh, at a wedlock you know it would have been nice to hear that you're not a slut it's okay to enjoy yourself um, maybe be aware and it would have been nice that if the family actually had conversation about this before she died so it was only kind of figured out um, mathematically when looking at some family history after my great-grandmother had died that she was she was like three months pregnant when she got married she was several months pregnant when she got married so it was um it would have been nice though to know that so that nobody was you know judgy of, of the fact that teenagers tend to do this not always but they tend to so that would have been sweet so one of the things that would have been sweet to learn from my grandmothers would have been it's okay people get horny <laughs> and I don't think, though, one of the things that my grandmothers never told me was the magic of the clitoris or the fact that your whole body can be a pleasure zone or the other things that my grandmothers did not teach me about was to know what pleases your body first before letting anybody else touch it. And I think I say it in conversation so much that probably my child's aware of it although you know I think you can never say it too often know your body first and also to me knowing your body first means like find out all your pleasure zones you know if you're like 17 18 years old and you're like hot and horny and you just the thing with about this is that the first person that touches you and turns you on you'll usually be so attached to them thinking they are the source of your pleasure that you you kind of give yourself up and over to that. So it would have been nice to know or to be given permission to be open about it, to go, yeah, it's okay to like pleasure yourself. And not only that, like be super aware of the things you like and, and do this for you first. And then that way, you know, when you are with a partner, it's not, it's not them who becomes like the magical person who can do these magical things for you. They're just an addition to your life. So even though, you know, in my life, I'd been like 
my a super sexual even as a child like masturbating by the age of four and I know that probably by the age of seven or eight I think it was my grandmother like my English grandmother Scottish I'll just get the non-Slavic grandmother sat me down for a conversation and and pretty much told me that uh, you know you know this is like it's you know I know what you're doing and you should you know don't let people see your body and you know I, I know she was kind of very embarrassed to have a conversation with me about it and um it kind of embarrassed me too so I think in approaching kids if you are the grandmothers out there and if you are or the mothers or whatever or the fathers and you're having conversations with teens about this or you're you know 20 somethings about this please don't walk into it embarrassed because that's all they'll pick up is your embarrassment and then they'll feel like the conversation should be embarrassing or that they should feel shame or things like that, which is not true. Like none of those energies are, are accurate or true, but we tend to, we tend to pick them up and we adopt them as if they are true. And then we walk around with some shame and we try and hide stuff. And, and then in hiding these things, so seven or eight, whenever it was that my grandmother like sits me down and says that what you're doing is whatever can't remember the real words anymore because I did so much therapy on that that I let it go and I I truly like don't even know what she said anymore I just remember the conversation and um, because it's not really relevant to my life anymore but what what does um, what the awareness is around that is that if if the conversation had gone differently I know that in my teens I probably would have been like very open and okay with my lovers at the time to show them what I enjoyed to be like okay I know you're trying to finger me but this doesn't really work for me so if you could just stroke my clit in this way this would be super helpful Um, because by that age even by my like mid-teens I was very aware of what what worked for my body and what didn't although it's constantly evolving changing and being added to it would have been nice uh, to not be shamed about that. So the conversation with, say, my first lover would have been a little bit different than the absolute no conversation. And and I think there is a level that's required of being able to have conversation. If you're able to have conversation with your lover, then you know it can definitely be a heck of a lot easier. Even if you're a teen, to me, I think one of the things that I would have liked my grandmother to tell me too is like being able to give me language or or assist me with being able to have conversation to know how to have conversation to be comfortable with it that would have been nice too um I actually mentioned this to be more about my grandmother because I was growing up I was closer to my my English slash Scottish grandmother than I was to my mom so I wouldn't have had those conversations with my mom growing up, and I certainly wouldn't have had them with my dad. So my grandmother was kind of my go-to, and it would have been kind of cool to have that information from her. But I also do understand that growing up in the 1940s, that wouldn't have happened because, you know, my gran- so my grandmother was born, I think, 1922. She would have been 100, I think, now, 22 or 23. Anyhow, she would have been like 99 or 100 this year um the my grandmother and she you know she would have been a teenager in the 30s and 40s early 40s growing up you know and 
going to school and going to high school and they were learning things. They were getting some sex ed from the 1900s to the 1940s, but all the sex ed in the 1900s to 1940s was all based on scientific facts and all about the sexual reproductive system. And most of it was actually taught based on animals so that the people would not be intimidated by any of the information they were getting. So my grandmother probably tried to facilitate that for me in her own way. And, you know, she would have conversations with me about my period and then say, like, you can get pregnant when you have your period, which was confusing because until you realize that there's a whole other factor involved in getting pregnant other than just having your period, um, you're like walking around thinking, oh, my God, can I get pregnant? Until, until, you know, your aunt, when you're 12, explains to you that, no, you actually need to have this. I had a vague understanding of sex, but I didn't fully get it. Um, that, hey, there's this thing that needs to actually be involved where sperm is involved to actually get you uh, pregnant. Oh, what a revolutionary idea. Things you wish your grandmother taught you. Hmm. Anyhow, so we're going to be talking more about that, a little bit more history and mystery around the pleasure points your grandmother never told you about, and maybe why they didn't. In a look on this show, you are listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time? for a totally different sexual evolution. Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Interested in masturbating for money, copulating for consciousness, and pleasuring on purpose? 21 Days of Sexual Magicism with sensual movement artist Melitza Jelanić is an exploration of tools, processes, and actions that you can use to create more for your life, your body, your money inflows, and so much more. Graduated learning for all levels of interest. Learn at your own pace via video classes or join the yearly live class. Take a peek at www.melitzajelanić.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. 
to participate in the program today. Join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at MelitzaYelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight, we are talking about the pleasure points your grandmother didn't tell you about. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't have grandmothers who had these conversations with me. So I'd have to say all the pleasure points are pleasure points my grandmother didn't tell me about. I don't, I don't know that I ever had the conversation or even said the word pleasure in front of any of my grandmothers. I don't even think I know the word for pleasure in Serbian. So for those of you who are out there who are Serbian listening to this, I could also look it up, but it's fun to share. Uh, what is it? Um, what is pleasure in your language? And did you even, uh, like in your native tongue or your parents' you know, native language, did you ever hear them say it? Did you ever hear your grandparents say it? Is this something that is even spoken about? Especially for, you know, I think it's a word that we just don't use very often for one. So I like to overuse it so that it becomes part of our vocabulary again. Now, in another thing that I wasn't aware of, like I, I look at the different uh, technical words for, for different body parts in uh, in English, and I, I look at, do I know them? Do I actually know these comparative words like to compare, to go, oh, I know what a vulva is in English. I know that's vulva. Um, what do they say in Serbian for vulva? And I have to say that I don't know that. I know all the vulgar terminology that would be swear words, like the equivalent, and not, not like the proper vulva, it would be like the all the other um, sort of swear word versions of it. And so uh, it's funny because I never had like pr proper learning information on that front. So that's a kind of a curious one for me. I might actually do some study on that. One day I might just do a full out show all in Serbian for uh, those of you who are Serbian and would like to hear that mess coming out of my mouth. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, giving you the pleasure lessons that my grandmother would have taught me in you know, while imitating my grandmother, that would be fun. I could try and channel her. That would be awesome. I'm sure the lard would be involved and probably some cabbage rolls too, because that's this kind of lady she was and pasulia, which is like a bean soup. I, those were some of her like supreme best things she ever made. So yeah, that'd be great. So the pleasure things that my grandmother never told me about are everything ever to do with pleasure. Uh, when I put this out on social media earlier, I had a few people respond when I asked like about what your grandmothers told you about sex. And um, some of them had grandmothers who told them all kinds of things about sex, the ins and outs, the basics, and then also took them to doctors to get, uh, to get uh, the pill. Um, ones that were like, oh God, no, my grandmother would never say anything. Um, and then some other ones were like, oh, yeah, like when I got older, my nana would tell me about stuff. But when I was young, not so much. So there's a whole wide variety of information. And the wide variety also comes from a wide variety of ages of people as well on um, that I have on social media with me. So I think when we come down to it, it's that each thing again, the information and where are these people in the world? Where, you know, where are they living? Like, where 
did your grandmother live and what level of education did she get? So my Serbian grandmother had grade six, which was a big deal. Um, so she would have had her, she would have been born around 19, I don't know, maybe 1914 or 1915, I think. Something like that. I have to think. Uh, that sounds about right. I don't know. Early 19, maybe 1910. I don't know. Um, my dad was born in 1938 and my grandmother was in her 20s. So it's possible she was born in 1910. That's wild. I have to find that out. So she would have had her grade six by, say, 1920, 1920 something early on. We're looking at um, total, uh, you know, communism wasn't fully going on yet, but there was there was not a like a level of education, especially for women. Um, especially for, I don't think any children at the at the grade six level would have had that information because in the 1900s to 1940s, even in North America, where we were considered a little bit more educated in these uh, ways, or even in England, uh, this education was coming out to high school students, right? So, and you were getting the technicalities of reproduction then. The thing about that too, though, is in the last century, uh, in the last few centuries, puberty has actually changed in, uh, in its averages and its average age overall um, across the world. So it used to be a little bit older than we have it now. Um, you know, where now it's from the ages of nine to 14 or 15 or an average age for women from like 12 to 16 is boys, or maybe that's changed recently. So forgive me if I'm wrong on that, but, um, but say a century ago or 120, 140 years ago, the average ages were around 14 to 18. So it changed, right? And so you're, you're being given information at the appropriate time because the world average was indicating that grade nine would have been the time for that. Now, if you never made it to grade nine, you wouldn't necessarily get that information. You would have had to glean that from your family. Um, and sometimes um, you were coming up ahead of the world average. So these things would have been happening to you in your body and you would have no idea what was going on. It could be quite alarming. So the sex part of it, you know, even to just know your body and like going through puberty would have been freaky, but then trying to figure out pleasure on top of that would have been really something. So trying to figure out pleasure in the 1900s would have been very technical and being given information from uh, being given information from, say, textbooks that would have been more, um, they would have been more like very technical, right? So we're talking about scientific drawings of body parts, scientific drawings of the sexual reproduction system. And there was a video, uh, there was a movie from the 1920s that I watched. It's about an eight minute video on YouTube. And it was, uh, it was health and sex information for boys, for men. And it indicated that men should not masturbate because it was filthy habit. It was a filthy childish habit. So in the 1920s, what our grandparents were learning was that these things that would actually teach you how to enjoy your body were filthy childish habits. This was geared at men, directed towards men. It also said in that video, this seven, eight minute now video was a movie that men should in the 1920s um, should exercise to be able to deal with their urges and direct their energies 
their sexual um, inclinations towards work. And also that if they expect, which I like this part, if they expected their future uh, wives to be clean, they use the word clean, to, to be clean when they got married, that they should also be clean. And the video is hilarious in that it shows all of like the guys the guys in the video are just doing all these exercises, like flexing their muscles, lifting a canoe, running. They're all in these like 1920s shorts, no women around. They're all just super focused on their health and their body. And then finally, the guy like meets up with a woman. She's sitting on the stairs and they're both apparently clean. So they're good. It's a silent film. It's freaking hilarious. It's great. Um, there's there's all this information that pops up on the screen and writing just like all silent films you gotta love that so if you're up for something funny google search uh, you can google search uh, sorry i youtube searched uh, on youtube i searched sex education in the 1930s and that one came up for the 1920s also in the 1930s was a crazy film called sex madness sex education films 51 minutes long it is absolutely bizarre and interesting at the same time. And it focused mostly on gonorrhea and syphilis. And that essentially every character in the film ends up with gonorrhea or syphilis. So I'm thinking that if my grandparents are watching this kind of educational information, they're getting a lot of interesting information that is a lot of um, fear-based information. And then there is some definitely like misinformation. The films are funny, like just thinking back on it just makes me laugh about how totally weird they are. So you can go find those while we go to the next commercial break and tab, put a little click to save on those to watch them later. So you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. We'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life, and quite possibly, other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at MelitzaYelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet, sweet pleasure seeker. So, what have we been talking about today is a whole bunch of stuff around the pleasure points your grandmother didn't tell you about. And as I was saying is my grandmothers didn't tell me squat about pleasure points. And maybe, I mean, a question around that was like, why? Like, was there was maybe lack of information, lack of conversation, lack of communication. Maybe it wasn't their jam. Maybe it just wasn't their thing to give me these fabulous insights. 
would have been nice to know that, you know, different positions would be great. Know about your body and all these other great things actually we're going to be talking about on the next show. Uh, the next show is going to be the 10 lessons you wish you knew um, about the 10, 10 lessons about sex that you wish you knew, like as a teen before you started having sex. And I think a lot of them are relevant to what I wish grandmothers told us about, the pleasure points our grandmothers never told us about. So let's look at that history timeline again. I mentioned that in 1938, there was a film called Sex Madness, really has a lot of information about syphilis and gonorrhea. But what's curious about it too, is in the first 10 minutes, you actually see a scene with a woman hitting on another woman. So there's, um, you don't see them having sex, but you do see the two women uh, flirting and then you see them go out to a burlesque dance together. I thought that was freaking brilliant. Like congratulations 1938 for being open to lesbians. That was awesome. The other part of the film that was interesting was that it also showed that in the entertainment industry, um, there was a character in the film whose entertainment uh, was in the entertainment industry as a burlesque dancer, but ended up in um, ended up there because she was in a situation with somebody that was uh, going to be her agent and he was getting um, he was sexually harassing her. They actually showed that in a 1938 film, sexual harassment in the entertainment industry. Why did it take another 80 years for that shit to stop? just curious, or it hasn't stopped, but for it to come to light. So curious when they were talking about this and making films about it in the 30s. Yeah, and the level of syphilis, everybody getting syphilis was fascinating. And gonorrhea and like, yeah, wild. Uh, everybody who had sex got a disease in that film. Mm, delicious. So Around 1947 in the U.S., some laws started to change, and there were things called um, there were things called moral laws, and the moral laws started to uh, allow people to have informed decisions. So morality was not based on uh, anything more than what you should be interpreting as morality. Now, morality, to you would think it would sound individual. However, a lot of those morality laws also were quite strict in a way that it was still and still is in some states in the U.S. illegal to have anal sex. I believe that's still true from when I did my first show about that about seven or eight years ago, like illegal sexual acts still in North America. And I believe there are still some states where anal sex is illegal. So those are morality laws, and they have been in place for a very long time, but we're really getting looked at in the 1940s. So the sex education overall, as, as society opens up, and this is just this is just like something to notice, like as society opens up, the sex education in schools has to reflect that. And so you'll notice throughout time, like in the 1950s and 60s, society starts to open up. Why it's post-war, people have a little more money, things are changing in the world, they're starting to see things, they're starting to get access to information from other places, curiosity builds. Um, even I think things like uh, National Geographic would have had uh, more pictures in it that would have been intriguing. You know, you would have had uh, more access to pornography as well, whether it was pornographic films, they would have been available. They would have also had um, more things like nude, uh, nude magazines were coming out too. So, and there were still probably postcards like there were in the early 1900s of nudes. So 
you know, just notice that, like, it's a very interesting thing to notice that as society opens up, so does the education has to start to open up for people to, to go along with the times so that people can be educated about what's happening in the world, too. So they need to reflect each other. And when they don't, there's quite a disparity, and you can start to see some rebellion start to happen as well. So that's, that's true for a lot of things, as even say, as we open up more to technology, then the education has to reflect that as well, where you learn about tech in school. That's just true for all of it, right? So it's, that's just a commonality. So in the 1970s, you started to notice that there was less, um, less talk of religious impact um, and, and less, less religion involved in sex, where 1950s and 60s, it was all about marriage and family life. It was all about anatomy um, of bodies and, and the technical things and the roles that family played. So my grandmothers would have been in 1900s to 1940s getting their information. Then maybe my, so for example, my, my child's grandmother was born in 48. She has a little bit different take on things and is more open to talking about things than she ever was with me. So we have conversations about all kinds of things, including signs of pedophilia, what to be aware of. And these are like conversations we have in our house just around dinner. Um, these are just normal conversations that occur. So we don't make it weird. Hopefully we don't make it weird, but um, we just create, treat it as information, just as we would talk about the sun outside. We also talk about things like pedophilia. We also talk about things like um, you know, what can, you know, things to be aware of in relationships, how to have conversations, things to be aware of about your body, how to trust your body, and lots of great information. So um, in the 1980s, we had a switch up where we learned more about STDs. That's what I remember learning about. And um, things started to open up around homosexuality as well. That actually started in the 60s, but it became more prevalent in the 80s. And then in the 1990s, it shifted again. 1998 to prevention of STDs, prevention, um, condoms, and then actually the talk moved away from abstinence more where the, there was talk of abstinence in the 80s, 70s and 80s, um, 90s, we started to move away from that. And now we're definitely more looking at things like gender, equality, equity, um, and all things that are keeping us a lot more open. Um, and I love to see the evolution of this and the information that comes out as well. So things that your grandmother maybe never taught you about are things that you could consider. Is this something that you would like your children to know about? And then open up these doors to conversations, be willing to have these conversations with your children so that you, you know, you're not going to leave them in the dark and they're not going to have to rely on social media for all of their learning or their teachers. Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. The Pleasure Zone returns next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body.